Well, we did a series so far. It just seemed the Lord really spoke to us from Easter Sunday concerning the resurrection and the fact that Jesus said, I have power to lay down my life and I have power to take it up again. The greatest miracle concerning the resurrection was that Jesus took up his own life. And uh, you know that uh, you have some power if you can raise yourself from the dead. <laughs> you know, but that's our God, amen? That's Christ. And then out of it just came that series about that we have power for our own lives because we all have a life in Christ with a destiny, and Jesus wants us to take up that life that is in Him. And we have resurrection life in these bodies. Woo! And uh, so the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Will He not also quicken your mortal body. And uh, so we moved from there, and I wanted to just be touching on this whole period of Pentecost that we find ourselves in, from Easter to the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days later after the resurrection of Jesus. So for 40 days, Jesus appeared to his disciples. The Bible tells us that there's a few reasons. Now, as I've been studying in the book that I'm writing, I've come up with another reason why for 40 days Jesus appeared. 40 is the establishment of a generation. And so Isaiah said, who will declare his generation? It's interesting, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, concerning the book, it says, you know, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1, the book of the generation of Adam. And so the Old Testament literally was the generation of the natural man. The New Testament starts the generation of the spiritual, Woo! the heavenly man. You know, we're born the image of him is of the earth. Now we bear the image of him who is from heaven. And so it talks about the genealogy coming right down to Jesus. And then it doesn't say, and he begat. But the truth of the matter is, he begat you. He begat me. And so we are the generation of Christ. We are that 49th generation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, but he appeared over a period of 40 days, gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And it was necessary for him. At one time, he appeared to a crowd of 500 people, and we don't know the scripture, silent on it, but gave them convincing proofs concerning the fact that he was indeed risen from the dead. In any court of law, you only need two witnesses to establish the fact. But God established many witnesses. You know, amongst them, the apostles, the disciples, because he appeared to them as well. One of the infallible convincing proofs he gave was to Thomas when he said, put your hands in these wounds. He said, I'm not just spirit, I'm flesh and bone. And the reason is because he had given his blood for us which transitions us to the New Testament. So in the New Testament now, no longer is the life in the blood, so to speak. Now the life is in the Spirit. And so the second reason for them was that establishment of the generation. Second was, you know, convincing proofs that he was alive. Third was to give them continued instruction concerning the kingdom. Because even after three and a half years of ministry, they still wanted to know, Acts chapter 1, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. He said, you will receive power. You'll be my witnesses. Get on with the kingdom of God in power and the Holy Ghost. Because they were still looking for a physical deliverer to deliver them from Rome. And uh, Jesus was telling them, the kingdom's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen when you in power be my witnesses and bring others to Jesus. Okay? So the kingdom of God has been extending since that time. And then the third, the third is 
I think it's in the book of Numbers. But God established a pattern of a year for a day. So the 40 days that the spies were in uh, spying out the land, they came back. Unbelief was amongst the 10 out of the 12. And it was only Joshua and Caleb who believed. And um, because of the unbelief, God assigned them to wilderness wanderings for 40 years. And he said a day for a year or a year for a day. Now, there's a connection between the 40 days of the appearance of Jesus and then basically from the end of the ministry of Jesus to AD 70 to the downfall, the destruction of Jerusalem, 40 years. And that was the phasing out of that generation, but the establishing of the new. And it was almost like a year-day scenario. And uh, when that which was still standing depicted the fact that, you know, we still could not fully enter into the things of the Spirit while that was standing. You couldn't have two systems going. But when it finally ended in AD 70, God could fully establish the kingdom. That was the end of His ministry as the Son of Man, but it was the beginning of His ministry as the Lord of Glory. Amen. Amen. Woo, I like it. So more on that later. But that's not what I want to talk about this morning. This morning, I want to just talk about something else. How many of you know... When you were unsaved, or you were dead in your sin and transgressions, you were unspiritual, you were under the wrath of God. And um, I like it, somebody posted me a YouTube clip, and they said, there's this guy sitting in the car, and when I saw the video clip, I thought, it's a video clip of a, a scully and a drunk, you know, it just shows you how judgmental we can be. And I'm looking, so I'm expecting something, but I wasn't expecting what I got. And so somebody who was holding the camera turned and faced it towards this particular guy and said to him, how can a loving God send anyone to hell? And he said, no, God is not sending them to hell. They're heading that way all on their own. <laughs> he said, they're going there on their own steam. He actually sent Jesus to stop them going, which I thought was a really good answer, you know? So um, Paul tells us that we were by nature objects of wrath. We were among them at one time, under the spirit of disobedience, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who's now at work in those, but thank God he saved us. Amen. And so all the new thing scriptures, all the water scriptures, all the rain scriptures, all the showers of blessing scriptures, all the floods on dry ground in the Old Testament is pointing to now. Amen? Pointing to us in the New Testament. So listen. So we should be waterlogged. We should be saturated. We should be continuously swimming. Is that all right? In the beginning, in Genesis, we see a river. In Revelation 22, we see a river. In Ezekiel 37, we see an ever-increasing, deepening river. And that was prophetic of the flow of the Spirit down throughout history, starting with a trickle, but eventually becoming an uncrossable river. It's why I believe the fact that there will be a worldwide revival. I'll say it again for those on live stream who don't believe it. I believe in revival, number one. Number two, I believe that there's coming a worldwide revival that's going to bring in a great harvest to the kingdom. Amen. Amen. I believe it with all of my heart. There's too many voices that are saying it, and also I believe that we have scriptural proof for it. So one of the things that I know that you know already is this, that when we are revived, when you are revived, when you are in seasons like that where it's like you're walking in the awareness of God, when the presence of the Spirit is all around you and you're aware of it, where His presence, His power is almost tangible. I love what Prophet Quibber said. Manifest means tangible. It means touchable, feelable presence of God. 
And it's the thing that David cried out for when he was in the wilderness in Judea. He said, my soul longs after you. And then he says this, quite surprising. He said, even my flesh longs after you. Amen. How many of you know that goosebumpy presence of God? I promise you, that's an awesome thing. You know, when God's coming, you know, and God is in the house and God is moving and he's with you in the streets and wherever you're going and the power of God is over you. For me, I see our salvation experience very much like Mary when the angel came and said, you're going to be pregnant, you're going to become pregnant, and uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior. And she said, how will this be? She said, the power of God Almighty will come upon you, and the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And then that which is birthed within you will be called Jesus, mixing some of the Gospels. Now, how many of you know when you got born again, the power of God came upon you, the Holy Spirit overshadowed you, and then Christ was birthed within you? Now, we need to walk in the consciousness of that. So we need to be revived. Is that all right? And so this morning, I just want to talk to you a little bit about just prepare for a visitation of God. Okay, let me just say that title again. Prepare for a visitation of God. On March the 25th, I just shared that message on the anointing. Pastor Helen, who was um, our longtime friend and was pastoring with me for 19 years or something like that, and gone back to the States. Helen just sent me a WhatsApp the other day. She said, oh, she said, man of God. She said, I was watching your anointing service the 25th of March. She said, I was watching it. She said, the most awesome word. She said, I had such an encounter with Jesus here in my house because they're still in lockdown, you know. She can't go anywhere. She said, I had such an encounter with Jesus. She said, in my home, the power of God hit me. And um, I don't know about you, but I want that stuff all the time. Amen. 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 Yeah. So we need a visitation. Say, me, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. And so God really touched her. You know, supernatural things happen when you're living in visitation or or when your spirit is revived. It's amazing things happen. Things just happen. Isn't that right? Everything is easy. You know, everything else is hard work. Everything else is labor. How many of you are tired of all the laboring and the hard work? How many of you know when your spirit is revived and when God is in manifestation, things become easier? I remember in just prior to 95, when that move of God was just so powerful in the church, a lady came by the Spirit. She didn't even know. She said an invisible force took over the steering wheel of her car. She ended up outside. She came inside. She had uh, suffered from extremely bad osteoporosis. If she drove a day anywhere, just down to the shops, she'd be in bed three days because of the collapsing of her spine. And it was affecting her work. But that day she decided she'd go to church, her church. But the Holy Spirit took over the steering wheel and brought her here. And we prayed for her. She fell on the floor here. We had an altar call. Auntie Rosie was standing here. And Auntie Rosie is extremely susceptible to the Holy Spirit. I remember just standing, just lifting my hand like this. And the power of God hit Auntie Rose. And she fell. And when she, she wanted to break her fall, she put it down and straight on the stomach of this lady who had been diagnosed with bad osteoporosis. And incidentally, she had abdominal issues as well, you know, like hernias and whatever. But as Auntie Rose fell full of the Holy Ghost, the power of God hit this lady. That abdominal thing on the front end of her body was healed, and her osteoporosis was instantly healed. Everything becomes easy when you're revived. Is that okay? Woo! 
And so we need to be revived. Amen. So I don't want to go, carry on too long, but uh, I want to just get through some things. Micah chapter 2, verse 13. What a powerful verse of scripture. I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, the breaker. Everybody say the breaker. The Messiah who opens the way. Aren't you so glad that our Messiah is the breaker? He's the breaker opener. And uh, we'll go up before them, who us. They will break through. Then we will break through because he will go up before us. They will pass in through the gate and go out through it. And their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. Woo. How many of you know when God is in manifestation, breakthroughs are easy? Everybody say breakthroughs become easy. Amen. We will look at some scriptures for that. So he always takes the leads. So the results of visitation is stuff happens, things happen, supernatural things happen. There's supernatural favor, there's supernatural healing, there's supernatural provision. Remember when Tanya Vaughn came, first time to church, from the Enchia church, she came and Helen just calls out there's healing in this place, healing in this place, curvature of the spine, just being diagnosed with cancer in the spine, this collarbone right over the collarbone because she was hunched over. And immediately the power of God touches there and she stands up completely healed. There's no cancer. There's no curvature of the spine. This collarbone, which was over this one, straightened out in an instant miracle. Say, everybody say, it's easy when we are revived. Amen. We need revival. I don't know about you, but I need a manifestation in my life. I need visitation, all right? And I know a lot of preachers preach God will visit, but what he's looking for is habitation. You know, we get too technical. He already inhabits us. But from time to time, you know, because of who we are, we just need continual visitation because there is a habitation. So we won't get into semantics, but whatever it is, however you want to describe it, you know, it's like some preachers say, you know, we don't believe in revival and all this kind of thing. Well, you know, when God comes and he takes over cities and countries and churches, whatever you want to call that, that's what we need. Amen. Amen. So the results of visitation is amazing. I've already mentioned healing. Prophetic words are fulfilled. Seasons are shifted. New things are brought to birth. And the most important thing is that Jesus gets the glory. You know that visitation, manifestation, revival, whatever you want to call it, needs to be not an exception, but it does need to be an expectation. How many of you are expecting God to move? You know, God's desire always is to bring people closer to himself and to fill us with his spirit and to act on our behalf. And if we do that, it means we can position ourselves in faith and with correct actions. Is that right? So we need a visitation. We need the Spirit. The Bible tells us that in our natural selves, and we look at it right throughout history, church history tells us, denominations are established. They're not established, but moves of God are established. They become denominations. But moves of God are established, and they bring truth to the world. And God does phenomenal things. I mean, if you went and visited a Methodist church today, or just an average one, and then you, God allowed you to go to one of John Wesley's services, you would say, how far removed are the Methodists from John Wesley's ministry? I mean, if John Wesley walked into Pentecostal churches today, he would say they're dead. I mean, they would have moves of God, moves of God. They would have the power of God falling all over the place. But there's something, there's a tendency, and I love what um, David and Saul, let me just mention it very quickly. You know, when David 
the prophet Nathan came to David and pointed out his sin. He was very different to Saul when Samuel pointed out his sin. One was worldly sorrow, the other one was godly sorrow. But one of the things that you see in Psalm 51 that David realized was his greatest danger, and he prays it in Psalm 51. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me, because he witnessed it, because it says there about King Saul that the Holy Spirit left Saul, and Saul was not even aware. That is the greatest, the saddest description of any church, is that when the Holy Spirit goes, and we're not even aware of it. In other words, we're continuing in flesh activity, we're continuing, we're performance mode, we're just functioning. That is when churches become denominations because the Spirit has left the building, and they wist not that the Spirit left. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want this church to be void of the Holy Spirit, and we're not even aware. We come together, we have our meetings, and we're not even aware the Holy Spirit didn't show up once. Okay, we can all say amen. We can almost say amen. Now, Psalm 119, verse 25, and this is a psalm that is based on the Hebrew alphabet. But Psalm 119, verse 25, David says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word, and uh, stimulate me. So my earthly life cleaves to the dust. So my earthly life cleaves to the dust. Revive and stimulate me according to your word. If without the word, if without the Spirit, if without the church, by your effort only, your soul will incline towards earthiness, towards naturalness. Amen? And that's why every now and then God comes in reviving power and He just reminds us. And I don't know about you, but when I go back to the Word and I get into the Word, something happens, something comes alive inside of me. And so He sends His Word to revive us. So in seasons of visitation, if you want visitation, expect it, but then also spend time in the Word. Spend time with the Word. Memorize the Word. Quote the Word. The word, the letter of the alphabet that is next to this verse, if you look in the King James, is the Dalet. And the Dalet is almost a T-shaped letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And basically what it symbolizes, there's nothing on the other side, so it becomes a doorway. So in other words, you can pass out, you can pass through. That's why I put that thing in about Micah, the breaker. But in other words, that you can go back, the word can become a doorway back into life because your soul is cleaving to the dust. And so the word is an entranceway back into life. And so Psalm 44, 25, for our soul is bowed down to the dust, our bellies cleave to the earth. That's the natural inclination of the natural man or the person without the spirit. That's why you find in very religious denominational type of churches, there is no life of the spirit. But that's true of you and me as well. And so Psalm twenty-two, twenty-nine: 29, all they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship, and all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him. And none can keep alive his own soul. But by the spirit we can, by the help of God. But that's why we need visitation. Because Job 32 verse 8 tells us there is a spirit in man. One of the reasons why I'm putting all these verses in is because the word will quicken and revive you. And so Job 32 verse 8 says, there is, there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Phew! I don't know about you, but I think it's time for some more inspiration. In Job 33 verse 4, the spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Proverbs 20, 27, the spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. But because your spirit is the candle, David says in Psalm 18, 28, for thou wilt light my 
candle. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. In other words, what David was saying, God is going to set my spirit on fire. Hallelujah. Amen. And so we can have visitations because he has visited us. Amen. So it's not something that should be foreign. And um, I was rushing through the internet and I was finding a lot of people were talking about, you've got to get the timing of God, you know, and they talked about the chronos of God and the kairos time of God and all this stuff and all that kind of thing. I don't know about you, but me, I think we can have a move of God. We can have a visitation whenever we want it. It's up to us. It's got nothing to do with the timing of God because he has already visited us. Amen. We're celebrating Pentecost because he has already poured out his Holy Spirit. And so it's got everything to do with you and me. It's your time, my time. We can have a move of God, whatever. And so Joel tells us in Joel 2 verse 28 and onwards, and he talks about the former rains and the latter rains. And he talks about the fact that former rains and latter rains in biblical days would be over a six-month period, that which started the harvest, that which ripened the harvest. But uh, Joel says, and we know Peter quotes it in Acts chapter 2. And so in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, he said, He will give you the former rain and the latter rain at the same time. One translation says, another one says, in one month. My interpretation of that is, so you can have it whenever you want it. Is that okay? So I I don't know about you, but I'm ready for... I'm ready for God to do all that supernatural stuff, you know, and that it happens easily. So we can have it. I mean, David said in Psalm 8, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him. God is mindful of us. Is that right? He became mindful of our sinful condition, and he visited us by sending Jesus. But do you think it ended there? No, it didn't end. So God is mindful of man and knows that left to himself, his soul inclines to the dust. So he's put everything in place, and he, our breaker, takes the lead and he comes and he says, well, let me just visit you and help you and just, just light the candle of your spirit again and just get you on fire. Amen. I tell you, yesterday when I came up to the church here to pray, I just didn't feel like anything. I didn't feel like anybody singing. So I didn't put the praise and worship on. I didn't want, you know, Michael Smith. I didn't want Jesus culture. I didn't want Bethel. I don't want any, I just put the stage lights on and I just walked around here. I just was talking to Jesus and saying, yeah, Lord, it's time. It's time. We've come through a long, dry COVID period. And, you know, it's time for us to get that fire back, to rekindle the fire, to have the Holy Ghost. And, and Jesus, everything happening, all the supernatural stuff. And Can I tell you something? The best way, the best method of sanctification is visitation. The last three weeks I spoke about sanctification and pruning and all this. Just get a good visitation of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes you can laugh your way holy. Sometimes you can shake your way holy. I'll never forget um, Shireen's brother coming forward, you know, on drugs, hooked on pornography, and... uh, you know, into Satanism, you know, skull in his bedroom with a candle behind the eyes. Woo! You know, that terrifies some people. 
But yes, it doesn't face Jesus, eh? The tougher, the better. It doesn't face Jesus. And I mean, he shook, he fell, he cried, he rattled, he rolled, he was drunk. Every single Sunday morning, every single Sunday night, every single Wednesday night, walk out the door and when the fresh air hits him because he had been drinking here, and uh, when he left Joel's bar and got out the door, the power of God hits him, and uh, he moves from all of that stuff. Not once did he tell us. He only stood up to testify afterwards of his healing. How he'd been delivered from Satanism. How he'd been lying here, given his heart to the Lord. Not once, not once did we counsel him. Not once did we take him through the little five laws or the four spiritual laws. Not once, not once. And uh, then he stood up and testified. He's delivered of drugs. And then he shook, rattled, and rolled for a few more, a year, a year, three meetings a week. And then he stands up and he says, I'm called to be a missionary to the Druze in Lebanon. Goes to mission school, and the rest, as they say, is history. And they've just joined Bethel School of the Supernatural. But they've been missionaries all over the Middle East and things like that. And it all started here in the move of the Spirit. Come on, we're talking about ACF here, is that right? Come on, just get excited, you know? I mean, we need those things, don't you? I don't know about you, but I want those things. And so, you know, that's happened repeatedly. It's happened much. We can have a visitation anytime because God is mindful of him. And so Jesus visited us. And this is the verse that Jesus quotes when he goes riding in the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And all the kids are running and shouting. And, you know, he's healing in the temple and all this kind of thing. And the Pharisees say, stop them. Don't you know by the mouth of incidents he's perfected or ordained praise or, you know, strengthened praise. He was directly pointing to Psalm 8. And he was saying, this is the time. I am mindful of sinful man. Now I crown him with glory and honor and set him over all the works of my hands. And I've put him in a place of dominion. Come on, church. And uh, of power. We rule over everything. So we're no longer under sin. We're over sin. We're no longer under the devil. We're over the devil. We're no longer under circumstances. We're over circumstances. We're no longer under sickness. We're over sickness. We're no longer under poverty. We're over poverty. We're prosperous. And so Psalm 8, he visits us. And then it's quoted again in Luke chapter 1, verses 68 and 78. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. The day spring from on high has visited us. The day spring, the sun has risen upon us. The sun of righteousness, Malachi, has risen upon us with healing in his wings. Woo! It's very interesting that when Jesus wept over Jerusalem, Matthew records it, I think Matthew 23, and uh, Luke, in Luke chapter 21, and um, when Jesus wept, how long I would have gathered you like a hen gathers his chicks, Luke makes the observation, and he says this, I think Matthew does as well, he said, um, one stone will not be left on top of the other because you not recognize the day of your visitation. And so the day of visitation was the coming of Jesus on the cross, that whole work of salvation, but since then, we can have visitation anytime. Amen. Amen. When you've got your praise and worship in your car and you're in the middle of the traffic and you feel like Jesus just came and sat in the chair next to you. Woo! Amen. You know, when you see the seat go, come on, hallelujah. We, come on, let's not let COVID rob us 
Let's not let COVID cause our souls to incline to the dust. Amen. Whew. He wants to continuously, continuously visit us. Isn't it interesting that even in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21, when the, the rest of the Jews, they come and Peter says to them, yes, all the disciples, the 120, you know, it's just interesting when the glory fell in the temple of Solomon, there was 120. And now the glory falls in this, uh, the new temple. You know, the glory in the latter is greater than the glory of the That's 100. Never mind, 120. Therefore, he says, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Ah, isn't that awesome? And so, until the restitution of all things finally and in totality comes, verse 20, and he says, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, verse 21, whom the heavens must receive or retain until the times of restitution of all things which God had spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. There's still stuff to happen, church. Amen. There's still stuff outstanding that's got to happen. And so the heavens have retained Christ. He will come. He will, there will be an appearance where he will come and reside with us here. We will rule and reign on earth. And so until then, we can have times of refreshing. Amen. You know, it's sad when your work is a chore. It's sad when your daily routine is just mundane. Because you have a higher purpose and a higher calling than that. It's hard when your business is just plain hard work. But I tell you, come on church, you know it's true. That when you are revived and refreshed, everything is easy. I don't know if you even remember times in your life like it. I'm sure that you do. When everything just seemed to work. There's a divine orchestration of things in your lives, in your business, in your work. You think of something and then it happens because you revive, because you're in the spirit, because God is making a way for you. Is that right? And so things become easier. I love it. So Job 10 verse 12 says, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. So I'm going to split it, okay? I'm going to have preacher's license. Is that okay? So you've granted me life and favor when I got saved because of what Jesus did. But your continuous visitations preserve my spirit and preserve me in that salvation. So I don't know about you, but I'm ready for a... Woo! Hallelujah. I like what... I'm going to preach this verse one of these days. I did a study on it. I'll tell you, I got gooseys. I jumped up off my chair. I was running around the dining room. Amen. When I was just writing a chapter in the book about the backdrop to all eschatology is Numbers 3.21, as surely as I live, the whole earth shall be filled with my glory. Amen. Amen. Woo, the angels singing in Isaiah 6, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They're singing to each other. There's so much power that the doorposts shake. I'm praying God will just shake your doorposts a little bit today, you know. But the doorposts were shaking. And these angels are flying. Oh, and they're going, holy, 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 Isaiah 6. And it says, the whole earth is filled with your glory. And I mean, then there's Psalm 72. And then there's Isaiah 45. 
But I love Isaiah 45 because that's the passage, the first few verses that talk about the fact that there's a voice of one in the wilderness, you know, saying, make straight the paths, you know, and it says, raise up the low places and bring down the high places, make a highway, make a level place for the glory of God to come in. And of course, that was directly prophetic of John the Baptist, and he came and he did that. And then in Isaiah 40, it basically says, and he will pour out his spirit on all flesh and every eye shall see it at once. I don't know about you, but I think that's still outstanding. You know, the fullness of what Jesus brought is this outpouring of the Spirit, this visitation, this revival. Man, and then Habakkuk chapter 3, of course, in chapter 2 verse 14, he says, The glory of the Lord shall cover all the earth as the waters cover the sea. And he says, but this is what Habakkuk says, praying about an issue. But when he sees the answer, he sees ahead prophetically, and he sees another Sinai experience. He sees another giving of the law. He sees another covenant being established. And he says, O Lord, I have heard of thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. You might as well say, give us a visitation. In the midst of years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Then he says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Paran. Selah. Think about this. Because when God came on Mount Sinai, the glory of God was so bright, it reflected off one of the neighboring Mountains. That's how bright the glory of God was on Mount Sinai. And it shone forth, lighting the way. And that's how powerful that glory was. And yes, Habakkuk saying, you, and he gets two other mountains. And basically it becomes symbolic of Mount Zion. It becomes symbolic of the New Testament. And he was saying, this glory just reflecting off what? And then he sees something happening and he doesn't see a glory that was to fade and pass out, but a glory that was to increase. And he says the brightness was as the light. He had horns, the seven horns in his hand, and therein was the hiding place of his power. Amen? Fresh anointing. You know, it was the seven horns, the seven uh, Jesus in the book of Revelation. Anyway, amen. Results of visitation. You know, when God visits, prophecy is fulfilled. You know, this is a story of Abraham and Sarah, you know, and when God comes and he says, I'm going to give you a child, things were dead. But then he keeps coming. And when things were dead, 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 dead. Now it's not impossible. It's worse than. Have you ever noticed that God is so good like that? It gives you a prophetic word. You know, many of the breakthroughs that we've had in our lives were in the times when it was the darkest, the most impossible. You know, when things are going and there's a little bit of money, yeah, you can say, okay, I'm sure God can do it now because I've got a little bit of money. Then God waits until you've got minus money. And then God acts. Why does he do that? To show you. It's him. And then who gets the glory? He does. Maybe you're in one of those places. Well, then it's time for a visitation. Does it look impossible? I love it. And when it was like worse than impossible. And listen to what it says in Genesis 21 in verse 3. Verses 1 and verse 3. And the Lord visited Sarah. Woo! There's a prophecy. It's not happening. And then the Lord visits Come on, church. Come on, church. 
maybe the prophetic word hasn't been fulfilled because you need a visitation. You need just that extra dimension in your life. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. When? In a time of visitation. And then it says, and Abraham named his son Isaac, which means laughter, the son to whom Sarah gave birth. So when God visited, what happened? It brought joy. (laughs) It brought joy. Amen. Second result. When God comes and God acts to bring about a restoration or a deliverance. It's very interesting that when God gave Moses the signs of the fact that he had chosen him as a deliverer and they go through to Egypt they, he leaves his father-in-law Jethro and he goes through to Egypt and they go and speak and show the signs and wonders and basically it tells us that the elders, the leaders of Israel believed and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon the affliction then they bowed their heads and worshipped when the deliverance of Egypt began it was because God visited So I said, maybe the addiction, maybe the, the sin, maybe the whatever, maybe the lack of no progress, whatever. But when God visits, there's a deliverance. Amen? And I'm talking about even just being held back in your spiritual growth, being held back in promotion, being held back in pay rises, just whatever it is. But when God visits, something happens, church. Amen? Third, divine help and provision. I just love it. I just love it. How many of you remember the story of Ruth? And because of the famine and things, and they go to the land of the Moabites and things like this, and, and uh, it's time now for them to come back. But they can't just come back, not just at any time. But Ruth chapter 1 verse 6, it says, Then Naomi arose with her daughter-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab, that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Wasn't that good? How many need bread? You know, bread, bread of his presence, bread of provision, finances, bread of healing. You know, healing is the children's bread. Then you need a visitation. So then, just let me see the hands again. How many of you have got all the money that you want? Okay. How many of you have got all the money that you need? How many of you have got all the money you need? But how many of you got all the money you want? Okay, so how many of you need bread? Okay, so by default, that should be every hand. Then we need, come on church, a visitation of God. You need a visitation where God comes and does something and uh, brings about divine provision. There's restoration of lost inheritances. Um, when Israel sinned, God repeatedly warned them that they're going to exile into Babylon, and they lost everything. But in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, this is what God says through the prophet. For thus saith the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. You know, we can say this about spiritual things. There may be a time in your life that was just revival, revival, just 
awesome. There was really powerful things happening. And uh, I'm sure you've had many good words. And if not, at least you have the word of God. Is that okay? You've got God's word. And uh, it says in Jeremiah 2 verses 9 to 10, the Lord says, after seven years are completed at Babylon. Now that was a Kronos time, but that doesn't apply to us. He says, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. And you will return to this place. Whatever that place looks like for you, you will return to that place. Maybe it was a time of extreme prosperity, abundance. Maybe your business was thriving. And uh, Lee, Lee, if you're watching, you will return to that place. God will perform his good word to you, brother. This is the word of the Lord to you from a prophet. There's another verse, and I want to just take it out of context if you'll allow me, but when God visits, I'm going to read you the verse, and I'm taking it out of context, and I'm making it not us but God. It says, And thou shalt know, Job 5.24, that thy tabernacle shall be in peace. You will know that your tabernacle is in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation. Now the King James is a poor translation here. It says, And shall not sin. But the correct translation, or a better translation, is this. And thou, O God, shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation, ACF, and shall not sin. Let's change that to a more correct translation. And you will find that there's nothing amiss. You will find that there's nothing amiss. In other words, there's nothing missing. There's nothing lacking. There's nothing lost. There's nothing stolen. There's nothing broken. Is that okay? The shalom of God. Come on, church. Come on, let's get excited. I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, I'm feeling it, man. Hallelujah. And outpourings of the Holy Spirit. You, I tell you. We've already mentioned Acts 3.19, but we won't. I've only got two minutes left. But Psalm 65, my favorite, my favorite psalm in the Bible. It's so full of symbolism, so rich with descriptions, but it says in Psalm 65, verses 8, and I'm reading in the Amplified Bible, he says, So they who dwell at the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs, the evidence of your presence. Sounds like a visitation. Is that okay? Say visitation. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. I don't know if you've, you've experienced that. I know you have. You've experienced it. But it's where the grass is greener, the sky is bluer, the days are happier, the birds sing louder. You know, where there's times of visitation, it was like, woo, it's so awesome. You know, I don't know, but, you know, we got to get, I think it's Rodney Howard Brown said that, you know, you got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. You got to be fed up with being fed up. You got to be miserable with being miserable, you know, you know. And um, so everything is just better. So the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Listen to what he says. You visit the earth. And you make it overflow. But the amazing thing is, is that in visitation, there's always overflow. Very often we're living from the bottom of the barrel. Or we're living from kind of like a just enough, you know. And then when the kids test the just enough, they find out that actually you're operating from the bottom of the barrel. 
How many of you ever, you know, is like, I don't have enough emotional overflow for all of the stuff that's having in my life. I don't have enough physical energy. But in times of revival, you have physical energy. You have emotional energy. There's an emotional excess where you're able to give to others. Come on. God wants us to be in over. And in times of visitation, there's always. Amen. You visit the earth. You make it overflow with water. You greatly enrich it. Not just enrich it. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. Woo! You provide their grain when you've prepared the earth. Listen to this. You water its furrows abundantly, so much that you smooth its ridges. <laughs> you ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. Listen to this. You crown the year with your bounty. I mean, everything about these verses is excess, excess, overflow, more than enough. And listen, this all happens during visitation, revival, whatever you want to call it. So I like this. And verse 11, crown the year with bounty and your paths overflow. Now, I've preached on this before and we did a whole lot of things. And uh, the amplifier says this. I like this. He says, and the tracks of your chariot wheels drip with fatness. You know, this is Jeshurun who rides the heavens. You know, this is the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. This is, you know, Zechariah 10. You know, in the time of rain, ask ye for rain, and the Lord who makes the bright flashing lightning clouds, which brings the rains. The shepherd, in the time of the shepherd, ask for rain, and you will get rain. So how many know we are in the time of the good shepherd right now? So he makes the bright clouds, and there's flashes of lightning. And in other words, he releases his angels, you know? Elijah saw the chariots and horsemen of Israel, was angels. Elisha saw them on the top of the mountain and sent his servant out. And so there's an angelic gathering wherever. I love that. Isn't it awesome? So he has the Lord on his chariot, you know? Has dripping fatness. So, and he's making the furrows. Yes. So I just love it when the furrows of his chariots are everywhere through here. Like down the front here on the carpet, there's just chariots, and you're all coming down here, and he's riding through, you know, Jeshurun who rides the heavens, and, and it's just anointing. It's just fatness falling. I love what the BBE says. The Bible in basic English says this. Listen to this. Listen to what the BBE translation says. The Amplified says his chariot wheels, but the BBE says life-giving rain is dropping from your footsteps. You know, it's when he's walking in your home and your family. and For me, one of the greatest miracles when we've done miracle pools is when and you know you can get in trouble these days for saying but I'm going to just say it anyway. There's a lady who with some gender confusion and uh, gender woundedness and she came. And I remember before she stepped in the miracle pool, you know, barbed wire tattoos around her arm and all this kind of thing, dressed like a man. And I look at her and I see she has an encounter with Jesus in her bedroom in that week. And then she goes through to the lounge, and it's like the presence of God follows her. And I said this week, he met with you in your room, and he spoke to you. And you started to weep, and then you went through into your lounge. 
And when you went into your lounge, you met with him, and it was the same presence as your room, and you knew it was Jesus. And I'm prophesying this, and she starts to weep. She gets into the pool with obvious gender confusion, and she's sitting there, and I look at her, and the Lord says to me, tell her like Esther, I will restore her femininity and her womanhood. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus. This is the type that can knock me out with one punch. So I'm holding her ankles, and I say, and I tell her the word, and the power of God hits her. She comes out. She phones her nephew. She says, I was at Prophet John's last night. And she said, this is what he said. Who's Esther? He says, you don't know Esther. It's midnight. You know what those miracle pool meetings are like. It's midnight. He drives through from somewhere like, like Middleburg to Centurion or somewhere. And he takes one night with the king. And they sit down and they watch that. And she's going like, what is that? He's making me like that. The next Sunday she came in. Beautiful, coiffured in a long dress. I didn't recognize her. And she came in. She was feminine. She was, was, the transformation in one week was just. Come on, church. I mean, your transformation is not as radical as that. So what can he do for you? Is that right? I mean, what can he do for us? What can he do? Nothing. He's in Come on. His footsteps drop rain. Shaba, storm Woo. The Holy Spirit loves to bring <laughs> times of outpouring. Woo. Hey. I can feel the fatness off the chariot wheels. <laughs> Woo. So position yourself uh, for divine visitation. You know, any visitation, any move, any revival, the key to it lies in a relationship with Jesus. It's not methodology, it's relational. But number one is hunger and thirst. It has to be something we desire, church. God moves on hunger and thirst. God moves on desperation. God moves when we would, in a sense, rather be dead than do another day without his presence, you know, without that manifestation. And um, David says it in Psalm 63, when he was in the wilderness, he said, Oh God, thou art my God. And I just, I love what he says, Isaiah 63, my son in the King James. He says, Thou art my God, early will I seek thee. And, um, you know, I used to always get up early to pray, always. And in the years when Helen was with me, she would try and get up early. But Helen was of the mindset and the opinion that if God wanted her to get up at sunrise, he would have scheduled it at about 10 o'clock in the day. (laughs) And uh, she discovered and we discovered, I'm the sparrow and she's the owl. So she would come alive at 9 o'clock at night, and that's when, you know, the sun is setting on my day. <laughs> she would come along, and she would pray through till about 3, 4 in the morning. So it's not necessarily early in the morning. You know, for me, the early part of the day, for me, is the best. But that, I don't believe, is what David was saying, where possibly maybe it was. But when he said, early will I seek thee, 
It's soon. I'll seek you soon. It's not early in the morning. So early will I seek thee. And, and I believe what David was saying is, as soon as I sense that I've lost something, I will seek you. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. So before I get to the point of desperation and then maybe go to the place where, no, well, now I can do without water. You know, it's the danger. And I fasted 40 days many, many times. The danger with a 40-day fast and the hardest part is not fasting up until 40 days. The hardest part is to start eating again after 40 days because your body is completely shut down because you're in a semi-death situation. And now you need to eat, but to eat with caution, and you need to introduce the food again. And um, David was saying, I won't allow myself to get to a place of death, of thirst. I will seek him early. For my flesh, he says, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. To see thy power and thy glory. So I have seen thee in the sanctuary because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. I don't know if you've noticed the transition. When he begins to speak and say, early will I seek you, he begins to express already then the faith activity that he needs to do that remind himself of the movement of God in the sanctuary, to remind himself of God's loving kindness towards him, that it's better than life, to begin to open his mouth and his lips begin to praise God. He will bless God while he's alive. He will lift up his hands and then his soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness by the anointing. And his mouth will continue to praise with joyful lips. Let's just stop there. And so, you know, it's important for us to begin to seek God. One of the ways, and I'm going to just close, there is nothing like prayer and then with fasting as expressions of hunger and thirst for God to establish a relationship, to go and invest in the spiritual realm to sow into the Spirit. There's nothing like prayer. There's nothing like fasting. There's nothing like seeking God for yourself. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like worship, extended praise, just getting into the presence of God and glorifying Him. There's nothing like blessing the Lord. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like taking the Word and reading and devouring the Word. And uh, if you're not hungry for the Word, read the Word until it causes a hunger. And then you'll become more hungry. If you're not hungry for the presence of God, get into the presence of God. Seek the presence of God until you've got the hunger for the presence of God. Early great revivalists, if they were not weeping for the souls of the lost, would take the word and read the word until the tears would flow. And uh, because the word had then softened their heart and broken the hardness inside them. Come on, church. We've got faith activities that we can do just to get them and get personal. Things will change when we are revived. Amen? So when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, you know, and he was asking about entering his mother's womb again when Jesus said, you must be born again. Jesus quoted directly from Ecclesiastes. Um, I think it was chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 when he talks about the person who watches the wind will not sow. And then he's talking about the dynamic of the wind blowing. And remember Jesus said, the wind blows wherever it will. You don't know where it's coming from, you're going, and all this kind of thing. And so the context of then being born again, because in Ecclesiastes 5 it goes on to say, you don't know the way of the Spirit. 
He said to Nicodemus, you don't know the way of the Spirit. Come on, let's know the way of the Spirit. Come on, church, let's be a church educated in the way of the Spirit. So the way of the Spirit, the way of the Spirit is prayer. The way of the Spirit is worship. The way of the Spirit is the Word. The way of the Spirit is church. The way of the Spirit is all of these things. Amen? The way of the Spirit is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So he says, you don't know the way of the Spirit, how the Spirit forms the child in the mother's womb. And that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, you must be born again, not of the flesh, but you need to be born again of the Spirit. You're a teacher in Israel. You should know these things. You should know Ecclesiastes, basically is what he was saying. And so, come on, church, we should know the way of the Spirit. Then why is it so difficult for us, or why don't we do it? We should do it more. Amen? That's why I'm setting these prayer nights, these worship nights, um, so that we can just recover what kind of, you know, the inclination of what COVID has done. Amen? Because supernatural things happen when there's visitation, church. He has another way of the Spirit. He has another way of the Spirit. Prayer and all these things. Yeah, there's a powerful passage of Scripture. Man, just listen to this. You're all listening. So here's another way of the Spirit, and then I'm closing. Ezekiel, the hand of the Lord was upon me. That's another way of saying, the anointing came on me. And carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Yes, I just love those and you're somewhere else in a place called there. And he set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them and round about them. Ezekiel, go and have a good look. Just bones, 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 dry bones, dry bones. They didn't even know what, he as a prophet didn't even know which bone belonged to which bone to make up that person. And he says, cause me to pass by them and run about and behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, lo, they were very dry. Dry bones. And then he says to me, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, Lord, only you know. <laughs> Again he said to me, prophesy upon these bones and say to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now just very quickly for the hyper-positive confession. He didn't say, oh, you wet bones. He didn't deny the reality of the situation. He denied the finality. Is that okay? He said, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. I like it because he starts to prophesy now. The Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinew upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know 
that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. Listen, church, every word is important. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. Are you all listening? As I prophesied, there was a sound. As I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to its bone, or his bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on the bones, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, the breath, the spirit, thus saith the Lord God, from the four winds, O breath, come and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and I'm going to insert my words, and as I prophesied, I heard the breath, the wind come, amen, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, behold, they say our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. And I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live. And I shall place in you your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. But who had to prophesy it? Is that okay? Come on, church. It's time for us to have this habitation needs visitation. Amen. I've skipped out some stuff. But did you get it? Did you get it? I don't know. How many of you, you know, it's like, how many of you want just something more? I was like, it's got to be, you know. Prophesying is easy. Come on, church. I don't know about you, but I just need to, maybe I just need to prophesy to myself and say, John, these bones shall live. Amen. John, your bones will be strong. Your health will be good. You can have a visitation of God. You'll prophesy. I want you to start prophesying, prophesying. Our nation needs revival. Our nation needs a visitation. But before I even think about anywhere else, yeah, me. Just start to prophesy. Visitation. The old time Pentecostals will will talk about the fact that, you know, the journey is long, the road is long, and we need a fresh infilling. You know, the lamp needs fresh oil. They would say things like, I need, I went to get my batteries charged. Those are, those are truths. Those are realities. It's pictures to just explain what it, what it, what it we need. But I want you to prophesy to yourself. Declare. Don't ask. Prophesy. The way of the Spirit. The way of the Spirit. I just want us to stand. and I just want us to end. We've prayed with our understanding. But I just want you with some oomph behind it. I just want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's add to mysteries with our spirit. Mysteries, mysteries is 
anything that is hidden that you don't know yet. Mysteries is anything that God has got planned for you that has not yet become manifest. It says we utter mysteries with our spirit. In other words, we pray things that are secret. We ourselves don't know what we're praying. This is part of the interpretation of that verse. But we're praying things that are not yet manifest, that should be manifest. So we utter mysteries with our spirit. So let's pray into manifestation. Because the subject we are, the mind of the spirit knows, the spirit of, the, the spirit of man knows the mind of man. So, so the spirit will follow the mind. So we've been praying for visitation. So unrevealed things concerning visitation, we're going to pray now as we pray in the spirit. Because that's the theme, right? Everybody, let's pray. times when you have to end meetings but the meeting doesn't end meeting doesn't end I'm going to dismiss you but the spirit is going to go with you one of the points that I wanted to bring out this morning was preparing for visitation is acts of obedience and the one act of obedience that I want to ask you to cooperate with is the prompting to prayer to prayer so this is takeaways so your hors d'oeuvres your takeaways is to take away the spirit of prayerfulness that has just been initiated just reinitiated here and I want you to be in prayer for the next few weeks strongly in particular amen we need a visitation we need God we need God we need God we can't do the work of God without the Spirit of God. We need God. I need God. So I dismiss you with His blessing. And I declare that His face is turned towards you. His grace is upon you. His face shines upon you. To give you peace. To give you healing. To give you prosperity. To give you the leading of the Spirit. Man. Man. Be blessed as you go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Love you.